Welcome to the Link Adelaide podcast. My name is Steve Moylan, and today I've got another artist from the 2015 Adelaide Fringe. And I'm joined by Kurt and Julia, who are presenting Remember Dr. Bubble the Bubble Magician at the 2015 Adelaide Fringe Festival. Uh, how are you guys going? Fantastic. Yeah, we're really good. Uh, I arrived in Australia like three days ago, and yeah, it's been really great and crazy at the same time, a lot of things happening. Yeah. I arrived a bit earlier, so I've been here since, oh God, when was it? Uh, two months ago. It was two months ago, whatever that is, <laughs> two December, months ago. end of November. And I've been, yeah, basically... 29 uh, of November. Publicising <laughs> and making notoriety of myself down at Glenelg doing uh, street, uh, street shows and publicising this show all the way through, just trying to make it the most well-known show in the fringe. Yeah. It's actually gotten to the point now that I can't walk down any street in Adelaide where there's children present in costume, I will be recognised by at least one random child passing me. I've actually performed to that many kids. That's great. And to have done that in like, what, two and a half, two and a bit months? I know, it's ridiculous. It nearly killed me. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what you've got to do with the Fringe. Yeah, I know, and it's not over yet. We're in the, we're in the realms of uh, the further promotion that I don't yeah. think ends until your show ends. No, <laughs> or until you completely sell out and then go, okay, I don't actually have to do this anymore. Oh, come, come on. Who does that happen to down at the fringe level? <laughs> the true fringe level, let's face it. <laughs> um, it depends how big your venue is. If you get a really tiny venue, you can probably sell out. Um, so you're coming from Romania? Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I was born in Romania. I'm Romanian, but I'm coming right now from London. Yeah. So yeah, cold London to sunny Australia. Yeah, and you've come like two days before it gets sweltering. Okay. So it's great. not hot like today's 37. This yeah. is hot. Oh, for me it's very hot. <laughs> yeah, you wait till you get like a week of 43, 44. <laughs> mm. Then it's going to get hot. But it definitely changes, you know, your mood, your attitude, mm -hmm. and it's really great to be here. Oh, yeah, England's miserable. <laughs> it's literally just the fact that there's sunshine here. Mm. And like literally sunshine days. Are like, oh. <laughs> I've been over in Sydney, and Sydney has like these mild, sunny winters. Yeah. And I had my first winter back kind of without any. Like, I was working here, but I was. In Adelaide in winter where it's a lot greyer and my mood was noticeably different. Like, yes. It's so good when you've been in Adelaide to go over to Sydney in the middle of winter and get a few sunny days. It's, it's like, a... oh, my mood's better. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's so strange that the day that I left from London, it snowed. It's all covered with snow. Oh, again. Yeah. That happened when we left Bucharest. Yeah, well, but this time that, snow yeah. on the street. Like, trees are white, everything is white, roofs, mm. it's beautiful. But that's our impression of London... Every it's winter. Not yeah, it's not. It's not London's not known for snow. Uh, that oh. was old famous Charles Dickens, uh, Dickens myth because he wrote it into the story, and so everyone kind of has that association yeah. with London and the snow. And it's just and London and fog as well, uh, the snowy Christmas or mm. the uh, the foggy London, and it's it's not really that foggy or mm. like compared to the rest of Europe. Um, or even that snowy. Mm. Um, I should give you some backstory while we're like naming all these countries. This is basically yeah. what Yulia and myself do, is we travel from country to country, uh, city to city, place to place, anywhere in the world that will have us basically doing um, theatre workshops, uh, performance. Um, our favourite style of actually doing it is working, uh, absolute favourite is working with a group of people in a particular country on a text in their own language and building mm -hmm. it into a major production. Um, and as well as that, I'd worked as a street performer for the last three years. 
uh, mostly in London, and uh, making bubbles, and now it's a big circle show, mm. um, which is basically the genesis of the show that we're presenting in the Fringe, which we've already presented over in Romania, and uh, we did it in Romanian as well. Oh wow, Julia, yeah, okay, that's more of a feat <laughs> for me than it is for her. Um, for me, it was like, like if you've ever thought about those theatre exercises, what would it be like to actually memorise specific gibberish? That was like the experience. It's, it's really hard. Mm. It was just, you know, double the workload, but it was a wonderful experience. And um, the kids understood. Yeah. Definitely. They corrected my pronunciation, but they understood. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> they enjoyed it. Because we had Hungarian and Romanian children yeah. as well. And they were ecstatic, like, when seeing oh, such a thing. That was fantastic. So the first time we do this show, I've spent, like, you know, three weeks learning the entire <laughs> script in Romanian. And all the kids rock in, and it's like, Yuli's going... That's not Romanian, they're speaking Hungarian. I'm like, oh, come on! <laughs> um, but it turned out to be, of all the shows we did, that that first one in particular was just packed with people. Uh, there's a, a video preview that we've actually got um, online, sort of, actually, just find it on YouTube. You go, remember Dr. Bubble, the Bubble mm. Magician? The preview comes up from that, that very first show where you just see, like, 300 kids sitting in... in it was uh, done in a school... Yeah. Uh, because it was the precursor to a festival we were just going to go into. But we rehearsed and put the show together in that school. Mm. And we had to have, uh, we were directing another show as well. We had the actors from the other show sitting and standing around the front row because by the end of the show, they had to link arms and hold the kids back <laughs> no at way. different stages because the excitement level was through the roof. Because this is a very small town in, in Carre in Romania. A lot of kids had never, ever seen theatre before, let mm. alone like the bubble spectacle that we were presenting. Yeah. Like it was just... I mean, this is what I've actually noticed um, what's different about this show um, that most people won't recognise, but I can tell you what it is now that we're talking, is that normally with a, a bubble show, it's, it's kind of like a cabaret act, mm. essentially. You do some bubbles, you make some like cool things, you make like a caterpillar or like this weird spinning carousel mm. or you smoke bubbles. There's a whole rung that you do and they're always the same, basically. There's, there's a certain <laughs> number of things. But it looks amazing, I can do all that stuff. And... Um, what hasn't been done is nobody's actually gone, well, theatre, everyone likes theatre, mm. everyone likes bubbles, how about we put a storyline over the top of this and actually see what happens, and that's actually what we've done. I mean, it's like such a small, mm. minute detail, but the, the difference in um, excitement level, I mean, a great theatre show for children will send the kids wild, mm. a great bubble show will send kids wild. You put the two together and you've got people linking arms in the front row holding back yeah. kids like there's a riot going on. <laughs> so we've cut around those in the video because it wasn't a good look. Kind of took us by surprise. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've managed to like taper that out now and uh, as long as there's a raised stage, the kids like stop at the stage. There's some kind of psychological block where they're just like, can't go up anymore mm. <laughs> and, um, but it's it's an amazing experience it and really the concept is. as well works and the props scenography everything it's amazing oh I don't, I'm, not, I'm not very sure if we should like reveal details about the production or you should just come and see I don't, it I don't think kids are listening to this podcast okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll be spoiling for the kids the parents, no. the parents won't mind um, well, basically, it's about a guy who... Um, it, it's funny because in a lot of ways, even though children understand the plot, the plot in a lot of ways is almost an adult plot because we were trying to make sure that parents would not be bored while watching mm. this. So we needed to make a story that could hook into them at some level. Yeah. And so it's about a guy named Aaron who's absolutely bored shitless with his life and he wears a sad face 
all the time. Mm. Like literally a sad face, a paper bag over his face. This is how he gets by in life, just doing the same thing, miserable as hell. Uh, that's played by me. Yulia plays a eccentric, wild female clown mm. who basically intercepts his life with bubbles. And as it turns out, Aaron's afraid of bubbles. And then she takes his face, throws it into a portal into a world called Bubbletopia, mm. <laughs> which is like the worst experience for Aaron. And then he has to go into basically facing his fears, mm. facing like bubble beasts and all manner of sort of these crazy creatures and adventures along the way. To actually realise ultimately that he doesn't need to wear a mask to get by in life. So, yeah, it's... That's um, really nice. It really is. It's, um, it's yeah. an adventure and a half. And, yeah, C- uh, Kurt's idea was as well, like, creating this massive uh, book for children. <laughs> the uh, set. I find that amazing, like, you know, and th- these two characters are coming out from the book. Mm. And every time when we get on, in a different scene, on a different stage, we just... Yeah, turn, uh, the turn the page. I find that. Yeah, it's that must be fun to travel with. <laughs> <laughs> we made it out of fabric. Nice. It scrolls like yeah, like basically the the whole traveling touring thing. Yulia and I basically had to go. All right, so we need to make our life compact in every mm. way, including any set that we do. And so we decided to make a giant storybook, and then it's like okay, fabric. We'll make it out of fabric. Mm. The beauty of being able to travel from first world to second world, third world country on a regular basis mm. <laughs> means that being an independent artist and actually, you know, what we do, we have to make something to get by in life mm. off our performances. It is so essential. And so we had the opportunity to actually put together a high quality, high investment show by just going into Romania, into a small town and mm. basically saying, okay, so... How much would it cost to build a two and a half meter by you know four meter children's storybook with turning pages mm. <laughs> and going to a seamstress and saying that? And she's like, oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, and we did some research and stuff like that, and then we worked it out. And um, what because your brain kind of adjusts to the currency, and you know now mm. that I know how much we paid her, it's a lot less than I actually realised. The thing cost us a hundred dollars. Yeah, I want to go back. We tried to give her more money. She wouldn't take it because that was already a lot yeah. for like, her, her wage that she considered to be a hell of a lot of money um, for what we were doing. Mm. And we were just like, no, take more. And she's like, no, 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 no. Here, sit, drink with me. Yeah. Like, no, you're, you don't give us stuff. You did us the service. We yeah. paid you. I'm fine. All right, rack them up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was very keen on giving life to the book. She was kind of like oh. a, a third artist involved because, mm. Um, mm. yeah, her her company was called uh, Textile Corner. I'm trying to translate it from Romanian, but mm. um, she was very inspired by this uh, uh, offer that we, we gave her and mm. she said she doesn't usually do this. So, yeah, she was very excited. And that's very interesting when you travel all over and you kind of like meet all these amazing people that are willing to help you and collaborate with you to make things happen like you mm. know um yeah uh, kurt was in romania second time there and myself i'm here first time meeting mm. great people like our producer matthew vecchio and and a lot of people are trying to make this happen mm. and yeah mm. i mean this this is the wonderful thing i've i've found as well is just the support networks um can be absolutely extraordinary in the arts world mm. And, um, you know, being from Adelaide myself at one stage, 
um, it's wonderful to come back and just see that there's so many people like yourself included like yeah. out there still working that support network for the mm. ever dying art of theatre which yeah. you know we've got to have because as the world goes on your kids are sitting more and more in front of screens on a regular basis mm. it is just so damn essential to get them out and put them in front of something that is active and live because mm. um, like, it is so different to watching a, watching Dora or watching something on TV to watching something oh, being created for that live experience there absolutely and for children even more so um, like children will always have certain memories of the movies that they watch mm. and the movies that they watch and watch and watch over and over and over again the same film or TV show mm. so that'll get fixed into their brains but the magic of theatre is something that absolutely cannot be excused because what mm. generally happens is the creative brain fills in gaps at a level that is just extraordinarily different to an adult. Mm. So when, when an adult looks at something, they kind of, you know, they have to work a little bit harder on their imagination to actually make it happen. Whereas a kid will fill in the gaps mm. so much quicker. So when you tell them something, they actually just fill in the gaps. So where an adult will see something and go, that was fantastic. The child will see that and go, that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Because their mind is actually working at a phenomenal creative level that sort of dissipates as people get older in life. Mm. And so it's just so essential because you don't really want to take those experiences away from kids, mm. especially in an age where it's so tech heavy. And you want more of those experiences. I mean, one of the most sad things I think about the Fringe Guard, great for us in a way, <laughs> is uh, the lack of children's shows compared to adult shows. Mm. Um, is there's just never going to be enough things for kids going on mm. um, because they are like the future vehicles of tomorrow's audience members. And it's and... not just about being an audience member and like valuing the arts and providing mm. money to the arts. Like people, when you when you go and see theatre, it was the kind of the realisation I came to after I finished school, is you go to, they kind of put things in stages of education and kind of brain development. Like you start mm. with your junior primary and your primary school where you kind of learn everything by rote, so you know what colours are, but you know how to add, you know what words are, you know how to put words together. Then through secondary and high school you go through and you start to make connections between the core concepts mm. that you learn during primary mm. school and learn how to put thoughts and sentences together and then when you finish schooling and when you finish university when you start to think about things like theatre is what teaches you about life and teaches you about other people and other environments and kind of those kind of storytelling stuff is so essential to life and it has been for like, absolutely since the day dot and what was interesting when uh, that just reminded me of when i was working in arts and dementia over in england where we were actually using the arts as a method for dealing with people with dementia now, what happened when, when I was getting trained up mm. uh, was going through all the scientific studies and all the rest, and I thought, this is a hell of a lot of work for me to go and do this. But it was a request um, to actually do this series of workshops. Um, they loved the workshops. They just needed to teach me how to adjust them. Was the statistics had shown and proven that the creative brain, the brain that is actually creating and imagining and working with the environment around them, even as a spectator, is a brain that is going to function longer. Mm. Maths, that's going to go. Like, you know, it's sort of like being able to write, that's going to go. Being able to fix something in a very sort of standardized format, that's going to go. But creativity, mm. creativity as a person who's active in it and as a spectator in it, in the live arena specifically, because a video is not going to do it for you mm. at the end of the day. 
is too passive. You need that audience engagement. You need to have your brain active. And it actually saves your brain. So, you know, well, I'm working with these people who are at the end of their life, and it's just extraordinary to see that their mental state was extended and even improved based on this series of workshops of which I was one facilitator um, to work with dementia. So that was mm. actually extending their mental mind space and in some cases actually improving it um, wow. because it just allowed that opening. Mm. Mm. That's so interesting, like the difference between grown-ups and children because children kind of like, you know, use that creative brain to imagine mm. stuff that they've never seen. Uh, in comparison with adults, that they create stuff based on what they know and what they've seen. Mm, mm. And at some point we let go of that creative element that we have as a kid. Like at some point we let go I of that. I think it changes. We, it changes. Is it the scientific kind of a chemical thing that changes or is it just growing up? Well, it depends how, how hippie science you want to get with it really yeah. at the end of the day. So <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a gland in the brain called the pineal gland. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, it's about, uh, what would you say? It's like a raisin, basically, that's mm. inside your brain. And um, what they do know is that they believe that this is the one that rotates your absolute creativity and connection with life. So that, that freedom of expression, that freedom of openness, that mm. awesome ability that children specifically have at that level comes from this gland. And this gland in childhood is completely open. Mm. Yeah, it's just pumping, it's working, it's doing its thing, and you just see kids, you know, playing with a cup, and that cup tells a story the likes you've never seen. Mm. And when they watch something, they see so much more than any anyone else will see. Um, I love, always loved it when I was doing the street performing. The kids were the ones who'd always pick the tricks with the street magicians. So a street mm. magician, like street magicians, would always try and move the kids in certain ways because a kid is much more likely to catch the trick than an adult. Mm -hmm. They're the real killer audiences. Like kid will just go, it's in his sleeve. Mm -hmm. The whole like sixty people have missed it, and one and, and it'll be a, a five year old who'll see it because <laughs> they are just not missing anything because of that openness in this pineal gland. What happens as you get older, this thing crystallizes uh, and calcifies. So and it almost it's weird because it happens with some sort of structure and regulation as life goes on. So the longer we're alive, the more this kind of pineal gland actually calcifies. So. Mm. Uh, the interesting thing about it is the journey back into the arts because it's like it usually happens around that puberty period is where you know your tooth call for school and all mm. the rest of it and you start to restrict and as you're restricting internally you're actually restricting this gland which is so strongly associated with freedom and creativity and imagination mm. and so that journey for the remainder of your life is almost trying to open that thing back up again to get mm. back to that childlike state um, so that's the hippie science of it, but there's also factual science on it as well. <laughs> like neuroscience. Yeah. <laughs> and there's obviously so much in the brain that we need to open up and get to. Absolutely. Um, now, I'm just kind of interested in what your... Because you left Adelaide like three or four years ago mm, to mm. go to London. Did you go and train over there? Um, no, I was... Uh, I mean, I did some workshops while I was up there, but uh, really I left because um, everything here was drying up. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. Like, every year there was just... Because I worked for a long time with ABC Radio, mm -hmm. and uh, that, was, that was one of my main occupations in my first year out, was doing the radio dramas with ABC Radio. That's and, out of uh, Flinders Drama Centre? Uh, yes, yeah. yes. I uh, graduated from Flinders Drama Centre here, and uh, I was doing my own independent productions, and um, what I found was as the years went on, the grants started to become less. 
Yeah. And the Adelaide radio series seemed to become less, and a lot of my other voiceover and commercial gigs started to drop off, and I thought... It was just year by year, and then the last year that I was here, like, I was just sort of like, okay, the work's still here, but it seems to be getting smaller. Like, mm. it's not like there isn't work to do here. It just seems like there's a lot less. Mm. And the decision for me was, I've got to go somewhere else. And I decided to go to London to actually see, all right, what happens if you dump yourself in the middle of an arts world? Mm. Uh, because London absolutely is that. Australia, at the end of the day, it's very much, it's very much sports based. It really is. Yeah. It's we all know it. Um, we love our sport here in Australia uh, to the point that it actually um, puts a lot of pressure on the arts scene. And every year, it seems like there's more and more cuts. And when you actually go over to Europe and you see the difference of appreciation, it's extraordinary. I mean. Remember when we talked to Kiko over in uh, Romania and we were like, oh, Kiko, when's your show on? He's like, oh, when we finish rehearsing it. Yeah, but what date? Oh, no, we don't have a date. Like, we'll just work out a week before we put it on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like but how are you going to sell it out? And he's like, oh, no, the people will come. They'll sell out. They always sell out. I'm like, a week before. But and the fact you that just... <laughs> they don't know when they're going to finish rehearsing, too. Exactly. Like, they don't have a five-week rehearsal period before they've got to get it up. Exactly. <laughs> well, you think about it. I mean, Awesome Wells used to do this. Um... Uh, Orson Welles used to do it, uh, Grotowski used to do it over in Poland, like they'd just work on the show until the show was done. Um, there were so many, I mean it just used to be that kind of normal structure, like obviously it builds up a lot of anticipation. Mm. Um, but the wonderful thing about going over to Europe is, now obviously it's not like this in London, London it's still a bit of a fight, uh, yeah. because it's just a sea of shows, um, but we've still had some really successful uh, productions and independent um, cabaret works going on over there. Mm and events, which was fantastic. But once we came into Europe and coming to Romania, I mean, that process of being able to rehearse a show until it's ready and then just say, all right, we'll put the posters up and there's a week and you sell out your opening night. Yeah. You just think that it's such an unfathomable mm. concept to an, to an Australian art scene. And it, it makes me go, well, right well okay it's it's good to keep moving and that that was the decision at the end of the day um Yula and i were talking about it and um but also it's like the different culture that you are bringing in a way and people mm. were very curious about it so that that was very interesting as well it see. makes a difference but kiko does shows there all the time and he's just putting up a yeah. week before <laughs> people do yeah yeah that's true is just the audience seem to be so ready then to go out and see theatre all the time? They are. They and really so Adelaide are. Adelaide kind of turns it on during Fringe and Adelaide's, Bad March. And his, then... Yeah, I mean, what I'm noticing with Adelaide is Adelaide likes to control their art scene <laughs> in one part of the year. Yeah. It's like, we will have street performers now. This we will have shows. Time. This is art time. And then after art time, mm. after Fringe Festival, all the rest of it, then football, it's, football, it, football. it's football time. <laughs> yeah. And come to think about it, you're right, like Denmark as well is in the same situation. We struggled to buy a theatre ticket. Oh, we couldn't get a, t we couldn't get a ticket. sold out, everything. I mean, and to go to a... Every year, yeah. entire year. Yeah, to go to a show, to go to the theatre over in Denmark when in Aarhus, and we just went up to the theatre and we're just like, okay, can we see a show? There's like six shows running. <laughs> we couldn't get a ticket to one of them for the whole season. And you just think, what? <laughs> now, don't get, don't get me wrong. I, I still love Australia. It is my home. It's where I grew up in. And it does, you know, the beauty of our fringe scenes does allow that, that cultural environment to still be alive, mm. even though 
it feels about 50 times harder than anything we've done over in Europe to get out there and publicise, including places like London, um, which is extraordinary. Because, I mean, Faust sold out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's fantastic. And, um, I mean, what came to um, myself and Yulia's journey is we can get one really good gig or two really good gigs a year in a place like London. Mm. We could do the same in Adelaide. I could do the same, get one really great gig Mm. in Adelaide and then the rest of the year could be, it could or it might not happen. Mm. Or we could just try and get one really good gig in every country in Europe (laughs) and Australia, even if we're doing them off our own back and make that our life. And so, I mean, Yulia and myself, we haven't had a fixed address for about two years, nearly two years now. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I haven't had a fixed address in about th- nearly three years. Okay. For uh, you, it's been about a year. A year and a half, I guess. A year and a half. So of just constant movement, constant traveling, mm. constant going from job to job and having a repertoire of shows that fit a certain format. So the bubble show is there to move, yeah. <laughs> right? So we have to think in an, in an exceptionally creative way, how can we give people the experience of a fixed theater show mm. um even though we know that we can pull this down and put it back up again within an yeah. hour yeah there are no three-day techs in this it's just like we're in we're out yeah doing our job and and we've gotten good at it as time goes on <laughs> and uh, now uh, like upcoming projects are uh where in romania sweden denmark romania sweden denmark to... barcelona yeah, yeah. uh trying uh to collaborate with some artists from bulgaria yeah so yeah, it's good, but uh, it's all based like uh, what we are interested in. What I find as a challenge is to work, for example, with um, in you know using like Bulgarian actors, and I don't know Bulgarian or you know, and and using their myths or their legends or you know, and then traveling like this and mm. each country to create something specific to them. Yeah. So this more mm. multiculturality that's very interesting to explore. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and the bubble show is just one of a, a huge well, and ever-growing repertory of shows that we present. Yeah. Um, and we've just got to pick the one that suits the country the best. So I know, like, based on my experience, like, I've been... I'm performing for the World Cup Cricket. I'm performing for the Tour Down Under. I've, I've done it for the Unley Gourmet Gala. There's some other gigs I'm forgetting, but basically different events corporations. It's okay to Adelaide just started ringing off the hook mm. to actually get me involved. So it's like, well, what show should I do in Adelaide? Well, it's got to be the bubble show. You just go to the repertory and you go, right, bubble show it is. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to go for the, the full-on no, sex crazy kind of... No, that one shows. Uh, I think no, no. Do... Yeah, yeah, we do do those as well. No, no, that's actually Denmark's taking one of those. Actually, yeah. the the, uh, the contact we uh, have a cabaret show called Punch and Kiss that we're extending into a, a feature length production, and and um, basically we we sent a list to uh, this place in Denmark. We said we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, and they're like. I want the one with the chick with the black eye. <laughs> so, and I was like, are you sure you don't want the kids show? And it's like, no, that'll never sell. Wow. <laughs> so, you just say, what planet is this? Denmark. Denmark <laughs> is just like, we want the, the messed up physical theatre, like, you know, extreme cabaret <laughs> style show. And uh, in Adelaide, they love the bubbles. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, bubble kids show. Bubble, cool. bubble, bubble. Wicked. Yeah, because I think I saw a whole lot of stuff on Facebook and oh, over that the was... journeys and the... BDSM Faust was the, 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 the one we started off in. I, 
Um, I wanted to tackle like basically that it was when Fifty Shades of Grey first came out. I didn't read it, but I heard about it, and I thought this is just off the charts. Like this S and M scene in England is just ridiculous. Um, I wonder what it would be like to put a classical. This is kind of what I do. You'll start to notice there's a pattern. What would happen if I take this thing over here and this thing over here and put them together? It's what happened with the bubbles. What if we take a children's theatre show, which would be really good, and an amazing bubble show and put them together? So mm. you know, that's what the arts is for. Absolutely, <laughs> it's just like it's crossovers and mashups. Um, yeah. So BDSM Faust was what would happen if we took the London S and M culture and crafted it over a classical play, and the classical play was uh, Goethe's Faust. Mm. Um, the Christopher Marlowe one's a lot older, a lot more dated, whereas the uh, Goethe's one is a lot more accessible and I think mm. a greater story. And it is a classic German liter- literary work. And, uh, and the result was like absolutely exceptional. People loved it because it was such a tough one to do and Julia was uh, lead actress and I was the director um, of actually putting together a show that would not uh, damn condemn or overly praise the S&M culture of London. Mm. It was just, this is what it is, this is how it goes. Mm. Likewise, simultaneously, to do justice to an incredible piece of literary genius, which is the, the storyline and work of Goethe. Mm. And, and we nailed it. <laughs> it was great. Oh, my days, I couldn't believe it. Like, the audience just went nuts, and it sold out as well. Uh, sold out over in London twice and in Romania as well. We did it there and just every time, like, packed shows. I mean, the only difference between London and Romania is Romania, Romania, any kind of s and or weird stuff they'd never seen before came up. you just see everyone pull out their phones and start filming. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing you can do because it's like, there's like 500 people in the audience wow. and 100 of them are holding up phones. <laughs> Ooh. Oh dear! Oh my god! Yeah, different theatre culture, different world. So you just gotta like take the hits as they come up. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're we're not finished with uh, Goethe's Faust. Where um, yeah, we're we're slowly working our way for a, a residency with a really uh, famous company um, somewhere in Europe. We shouldn't say just in case they ever hear this. <laughs> who we absolutely love and adore. Yeah. Um, and um, or the phenomenon BDSM. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we want to do an actual core-based version because we just uh, like with that particular production. There's just so much more. One of the famous sayings of uh, street performance world is your mm. pl- is your show is never finished. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you're doing this show for the rest of your life. Your show is never finished. And I take that into the theatre world as well. Um, that you know, if there's if if it's not not quite there yet, then it's worth another look. BDSM yeah. Faust worth worth another look. You know, the process of this bubble show is, is a continuing development. Like, mm. you see this show now, it'll be very different uh, than it will be maybe in a year's time. Just yeah. because the number of shows we do, it's like, let's tweak this, let's take it in a different direction. Oh, we're bored. Because, I mean, that's the beauty of being a fringe artist, mm. is you don't have to be trapped and confined by your own show, is you have the opportunity to actually say, you know what? What about... If the bubble beast was a bubble chicken, <laughs> so yeah. how would that affect our show? And we get the opportunity to run with that. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this run because I, I could be amazed. Like, chances are, like, even though you'll see the same show in the, the duration of this run in the fringe, there's probably a lot of things that will change internally mm. as the show goes on because we'll go, all right, 
well, you know, this gets a really big pop from the audience, but now we want to bring him down more before we bring him back up. So how about we just recraft, restructure this yeah. and try something different? So what you'll be looking at the start of the fringe and the end of the fringe will be two different things. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should wrap this interview up. It's Absolutely. probably the longest one I've sorry, done so in this fringe so far. No, no, that's all right. It's great. <laughs> uh, Kurt and Julia, uh, remember Dr. Bubble, the bubble magician, uh, is for 3 to 12-year-olds and their families. Uh, sounds absolutely brilliant on at the Jade, 160 Flinders Street in the city. Uh, Wednesday to Fridays at 1pm, Saturday and Sundays at 1pm and 4pm. Runs about 60 minutes, ticks on sale through Fringe Ticks and more details at adelaidefringe.com.au and linkadelaide.com.au. Um, could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. So much. Thank you. For more, visit linkadelaide.com.au, check us out at facebook.com forward slash linkadelaide, or tweet us at linkadelaide.